truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on The Blaze. I was about to do a WaxRx ad right here from the top thinking, I don't hear myself. It must be the wax buildup in my ears. Nope, nope, but we're good now. 888-900-3393 is the number. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is where you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. For those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or the podcast, and if you are on a podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review there on the podcast platform of your choice, if you like us, that is. We would appreciate that. Thank you to all of you that have done those things already. Coming up at the bottom of the hour today, it's Pop Culture Tuesday. We're going to look at the intersection of culture and conservatism. And I've given Todd and Aaron an assignment from a week ago to watch a movie on Netflix. And we have all seen this. Yeah, real rough job we have here. Indeed. Uh, we, I, I wanted us all to, to have our takeaways ready and then not share them with one another. And I went, through the, I went through some extraordinary measures here to make sure we would compare no notes ahead of time. No, it right? was like it was four-dimensional chess. It, this, it was. It was, yes. So, and, and when we talk about the subject matter of the movie at the bottom of the hour— it's called Await Further Instructions. It's on Netflix now. Um, I, I think you'll understand why I thought we needed to spend some time talking about this film. And then next hour, our good friend Joseph, who says, basically, why won't you adore Trump as much as I do? Uh, he did come through. We, I told him, hey, you send us any five questions, and if you do it— um, I'll happily sit here on the show and answer them, but send them to Aaron. I don't want to see them ahead of time. I have no idea what these questions are. He did send them to you, correct? That is correct. Good, because I, I set aside next hour to answer his questions, because I know that he speaks for a large segment of our audience. So we will do that in the next hour. Now, one of the cool things about getting to do this for a living is lending your voice uh, to worthwhile causes and maybe the most worthy cause uh, in the history of history uh, is the word of God. Unfortunately, we have some oppressive regimes still here in the 21st century that, that don't want to have their people opened up to the hope and inspiration found in God's word. We call them closed countries and, and back to Jerusalem wants to reach those closed countries with the word of God. They've taken the Bible and they have shrunk it down into an electronic file that's about as big as a pill uh, in order to sneak it past the gatekeepers in countries like China, uh, Iran, North Korea, Somalia, where we, you know, where we get future leaders of the Democratic Party now. Uh, if if you want to take part in this very noble, worthwhile cause, it's going to cost you just fifteen bucks one time. About the cost of you and someone you love, or maybe someone you don't, going to a fast food lunch today. But what's a better investment? No, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to inspire you. I mean, it's 15 bucks. Can't go wrong bringing the word of God to closed countries for just $15. If this is something you want to support, blazehelp.org is the website, blazehelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Waste, Fraud, and Abuse. 
The White House yesterday released a $4.7 trillion budget plan, which included almost $9 billion for a border wall. I was told by conservative media, though, that somehow Trump already magically had the funding. Cuts almost a trillion dollars to Medicare and somehow adds... $4.3 trillion to the deficit. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Nancy Pelosi came out yesterday against impeaching President Trump. The Democrat National Committee confirmed yesterday their 2020 convention will be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a state Trump surprisingly won in 2016. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced the United States is withdrawing all remaining personnel from the Venezuelan embassy anticipating further escalation in conflict in that country. What progressives really think of the other, courtesy of Elon Omar. Do you think that President Obama is the same as President Absolutely Trump? not. That is silly to even think and equate the two. One is human, the other is... Is it true that you just... And now, mass confusion. Actress Deborah Messing posted a photo of vagina-themed cupcakes on Instagram over the weekend to celebrate International Women's Day. She apologized yesterday after scores of complaints were lodged at her not for being distasteful, but for being transphobic. This news surfaced as the Iowa Supreme Court in our backyard ruled unanimously that Medicaid must cover gender transition surgeries. Ariana Good and Carol Beale had sued the Iowa Department of Human Services for discrimination over its administrative code classifying transition-related surgeries as cosmetic, reconstructive, or plastic surgeries. The code explicitly banned surgeries for the purpose of sex reassignment. The plaintiffs insisted gender-affirming surgeries are quote-unquote medically necessary for them in order to treat their gender dysphoria, and a district court ruled in their favor. And now the story of retired Army soldier Jamie Shoup. Four years ago, he was published in the pages of the New York Times after he decided to come out as a woman and later made headlines for suing the state of Oregon to let him identify as a third sex. This weekend, however, Jamie wrote about his life since for the Daily Signal in a piece titled, I was America's first non-binary person. It was all a sham. Jamie details how, at every step of the way, he was coddled, sold a transgender fantasy, and ultimately placated by medical and mental health professionals. Quote, When the fantasy of being a woman came to an end, I asked two of my doctors to allow me to become non-binary instead of female to bail me out. Both readily agreed. After pumping me full of hormones, the equivalent of 20 birth control pills per day, they each wrote a sex change letter. The two weren't just bailing me out. They were getting themselves off the hook for my failed sex change. One worked at the VA. The other worked at the Oregon Health and Science University. He goes on to say, In January 2019, unable to advance the fraud for another single day, I reclaimed my male birth sex. The weight of the lie on my conscience was heavier than the value of the fame I'd gained from participating in this elaborate swindle. Two fake gender identities couldn't hide the truth of my biological reality. There's no third gender or third sex. Like me, intersex people are either male or female. Their condition is the result of a disorder of sexual development, and they need help and compassion. I played my part in pushing forward this grand illusion. I'm not the victim here. My wife, daughter, and the American taxpayers are. They are the real victims. And that's what happened while we were away. 
Well, there's a lot to get to there in the rundown. Uh, today's montage from Aaron brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, check out realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a company Glenn Beck and some of his friends started a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents that talked a good game but then didn't provide and produce the results when necessary. If you have yet to buy or sell a home but you're thinking about doing it, take it from me. I've done the uh, I've done it twice, and it's one of the most stressful things you'll do in your life. And I had an excellent excellent agent that we still see around town and are friendly with. So I can't imagine going through something like that when you don't have a good agent. Don't don't let that happen to you, uh, especially when you have a tool at your disposal like Real Estate Agents I Trust. And what makes this different than your typical real estate agent referral uh, service is that's really, a lot of those are really done to help real estate agents find customers. It's, it's really there to help real estate agents meet their bottom line. In this case, this is about empowering your bottom line, helping you find the right agent for you, an agent that has volunteered to be scrutinized uh, and, and is transparent about the results they produce for their clients. So if you want to sell your home uh, at the right time for the right price, check them out. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Oh, where where do we begin? Um, you know what? Let's actually take these in chronological order because I, I might have something on almost, I think I could have something on everything in your montage today. Um, the budget plan. Essentially, you know, and I admire Russ Vogt for his faith. He's the new head of the Office of Management and Budget. He's a good friend of our good friend Daniel Horowitz. I've met his wife Mary. Um, you know, he's in a he's in a really tough spot. Okay, no yeah, I mean, he's in a really tough spot. That being said, the minute anybody says, I'm mentions eliminating waste, fraud, and abuse. Hang up the phone, and we're done here. We're, that we're, that and fifteen year plan. Yeah, yes, we're, we're not we're not we're not serious. We're not serious. You know, when the Democrats start their primary debates, they're all going to say waste, fraud, and abuse. Hillary and Bernie Sanders said it. I think every single candidate, all twenty seven that ran in twenty sixteen, I'll use the term. Anytime anybody in Washington says waste, fraud, and abuse, the the, the either we're through having a serious conversation or a serious one was never being had. Okay. Now, the 15-year plan thing, I'll give them this. It's an upgrade from the 25-year plan that um, Paul Ryan from your home state uh, trotted out a few years ago. And, and, and here's why they do this. Can I, can I, you know, we just did a, a really fun show on We Talk Sports with Kurt Schilling today when we took a look at a lot of the cliches that get bandied about yes. during spring training and, um, and let a guy who's a Hall of Famer yeah. in waiting and a World Series champion decipher what the BS really means, okay? You right? gotta watch it. Yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. Right, and I know you had to enjoy the heck out of that as a baseball guy, right? I did, and the baseball cliches are going to sound like solid food after what I think you're about <laughs> yes. to do. So, you know, the, when I when I wrote for Town Hall when I was with Salem, the most popular column I ever wrote for Town Hall in terms of the traffic it generated was called "Bleep Republicrats Say," I, and it's where I went out there and and I translated. What establishment Republicans, and a Republicrat is not the same as a rhino. If you've read Rules for Patriots, you know this. The rhino is the Republican in the blue state who, you know, like the Chris Christie, who wasn't good enough to be on Team Democrat and just is a liberal who just became a Republican in a blue state because that's the only place where there was an open spot on the team, right? The Republicrat is the Mitch McConnell, John Cornyn. That's the guy that can that knows what talking points to give red state Republicans that they want to hear, you know, like, 
like McConnell coming in one year when I was there at CPAC and he's waving around an AR-15, okay? Um, yeah, he knows what you want to hear and then goes to Washington and just knifes you after the campaign's over. That's what a Republican is, okay? And so the most popular column I wrote translated blank bleep Republicans say. What, what is it that they really mean, okay? Let me translate for you what 15-year plan means. And it means the same thing it meant when Paul Ryan trotted out a 25-year plan. What it means is, you know what? In fact, I'm going to give Russ Vote most benefit of the doubt, knowing him by reputation, okay? I'll bet you that unlike in Paul Ryan's plan, his cuts are actually real. Yeah. Like his plan, yeah. his plan to get to a balanced bu- budget is probably for real, okay? But the reason why it takes 15 years, Steve, how can a plan add $4.3 trillion to the budget if it's in 15 years it eliminates? Because here, here's what this means, okay? You ready for this? What it means is we've got to keep this gravy train going at mass output while we're all up for re-election. And then we put all the cuts and stuff that need to happen in order to get to a balanced budget. We do this. We roll this out Hezekiah style. This all, all this poo goes down, hits the fan when we're not here anymore. All right. We have kicked the can down the proverbial road. That's why it's a 15-year plan. Which is what Obama did with Obamacare. Right. Most of the stuff settling in after the his re-election happened. Right. Yeah. And and could I translate as well uh, waste, fraud, and abuse, uh, even though this is a non-starter? Uh, waste, fraud, and abuse means, okay, it's time for my sugar daddies to get their grift and their sugar daddies to be out in the wilderness for a little while. That's what yeah. cutting waste, fraud, and abuse serious. means. It's not serious. Let me tell you what waste, fraud, and abuse means for us with our family budgets. Okay. Like if you looked at your family budget and, you know, when you go to, when you have to make a midweek run to Target and a kid needs a pair of a pants or a Walmart or something, all right, and, a, you know, a, a milk and you, you went there with the plan of spending 10 bucks and suddenly you see three or four of the things you like, you spend 40 or 50, right? Okay. Now, if you cut that down, will that improve your budget? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but compare that to what is your mortgage payment? What's your car payment? What's your student loan payment? Okay, those are in your family budgets sense, your entitlements. And I can promise you for 99 percent of you that are within the sound of my voice right now, when you look at your family budget, that is the overwhelming expenditures. of That's the overwhelming amount of your outlays from your input in your own family budget. And the same thing goes with this. Okay. Um, I'm all for if you want to run a more efficient government, but Medicare in and of itself cannot be efficient because of its model. A welfare state in and of itself cannot be efficient because of its business model. You can, you can improve efficiency, but inherently by nature, you know, it's the, it's the Margaret Thatcher line. We all, it's funny. We all quote this, um, you know, all, all the Republican budget hawks quote this line until they go work for a Republican presidency, and then suddenly we forget it. Socialism sounds great until you run out of other people's money to spend. That's why you have deficits. The business models, you, th- these things run in the red, not because of waste, fraud, and abuse. Rather, there is waste, fraud, and abuse for the reasons they run in the red. They run in the red because, by and large, the business model starts from a flawed premise. Period. 
what businesses are more prone to waste, fraud, and abuse? Ones with a sound business plan or ones without them? What do you think the answer to that question is? We were just talking about this before the show with academia and the the business model and the lack of basic understanding yes. of economics. Yes. So this isn't serious in, 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 as far as I'm concerned. It's not it's even not a business a serious, model. It's theft. It's, yeah. not, it's not a yeah. serious conversation it's just to me. Gravy terrain. This is not just a throwaway term. Yep. Gravy train is not a throwaway um, sensationalized term for this. Uh, the way that this business model works is exactly what Todd just said. It is theft. It is just an influx of money because we have bigger guns than you and you have to pay that. And that's what – and uh, beyond the taxation part Oh, there's of it, another angle just, to this too. Here's the other angle because this is the same thing happened with Paul Ryan's budget. What's going to happen is next year Democrats are all going to run on. They want to cut your yeah. Medicare. And of course these are cuts that are going to happen in, in – what is it? 15 years from now would be 2033. Okay, 2032, 2034, you know, that's when they would occur if you actually believe they would actually happen. So what, what Republicans do when they roll out budgets like this is they, is they don't do anything to satiate their base, but they do provide uh, cannon fodder for Democratic commercials. So they'll all, have to, they'll all have to then say, we're not cutting Medicare. We actually grew it next year. Well, then what was the point of this exercise to begin with? It is an utterly, undeniably pointless exercise. And we've already spent more time on it than it deserves. Let's get to another pointless exercise. The Nancy Pelosi's won't allow Trump impeachment is apparently going to be 2019's. Well, did you say that the DNC can't raise any money? And so that means that there's no energy on the Democrat base for the 2018 midterms. There will be no blue wave. And this is all from the fake polls of 2016. If you could decide if you would like to be lied to. Chances are, if your answer is yes, you're going to listen to this show for about five minutes before you hang up the phone, okay? Um, that was a canard, at best, a flat-out deception of our own customers, at worst. The whole, the DNC can't raise money. You want to, let me say this for the 7,000th time. The reason the DNC didn't raise any money in 2018 is because the, the Democrat base got smart that their own party, their, their DNC fixed the last presidential primary for Hillary Clinton. So they actually defunded them themselves and just said, you know what? We'll pick and choose that. We like Beto. We like John Ossoff. We'll give those guys ungodly sums of money directly out of our own pocket rather than funneling anything through the DNC. All right. So I don't think any Democrat candidate of substance running for anything in America is really concerned. They don't have enough money. All right. And this whole line now, Nancy Pelosi comes out against impeachment. Doesn't she have like a hundred votes in the Senate? Yeah. Doesn't the speaker get that? First of all, on, on principle, you cannot trust a vow from a moral relativist. Just on principle. Okay. <laughs> Guys, so why do I have to keep resetting this stuff? You know? Pinky swear, Steve. Pinky swear. Okay. Secondly, this is a perfect setup. 
Well, you know, I, I, I said, in, I said in, in March, I didn't think impeachment was worth it. The country had bigger things to do, better, bigger problems to tackle, like health care for all and, and, and separating parents from their children at the border and, and, make, and, and prote- protecting women's reproductive rights. And then the Southern District of New York gave us this 700-page yep. uh, you know, documentation of the criminal enterprise known as Donald Trump, Inc. And, and I, I wish we wouldn't have to do this. I even said we didn't have to do this, but we have a responsibility to uphold our oaths of office. We have to do something here. Come on, guys. Don't choose to be willfully gullible and stupid. All right? Come on, man. Come on. And I already spent more time well, on that than it deserves. It is definitely that, but I think it's also she doesn't know how to control her own caucus right now. That's another thing, too. They'll, Dude, they will roll her. They will roll her into all the way back to San Francisco if she tries to stand in their way of this. No way. She's just calling the timeout yes. right now, basically. This is this is the woman who start who tried to make sure her party wasn't anti-Semitic twelve days ago, and now it's like, yeah, we are. So yeah, come on. Guys. So you're just saying she has a different experience with words. Yeah. <laughs> mm, well played. Very well played. Um, I'm gonna table the Venezuela thing for now. I'm going to table the, uh, because of the time constraints, what progressives really think of the other, because we've tackled that before, but it is always beneficial to reinforce it when they give you living examples. I've got to go to the Deborah Messing thing, all right, with the vagina cupcakes, okay? And I want you to know, if you haven't seen these cupcakes, they are they are literally shaped in the form of the the sketch drawing we all got. Well, Aaron didn't because he was homeschooled, uh, but the rest of us got in the government schools of in, in sixth and seventh grade health class that looks like, you know, um, one of the alien contraptions that comes out of John Hurt's stomach, you know, in a Ridley Scott film. You know what, you know what I'm saying? It literally, these cupcakes are literally shaped like this. I've seen them. Okay. I mean, this is, they are literally vagina cupcakes. That in and of itself And it's not like it's a bridal shower or a gag gift for a bachelorette party or a bachelor party, I guess. But this was like serious contemplative social commentary that Deborah Messing tried, right? Okay. And then, of course, uh, it turns out that they're transphobic. These people are all fools. Every last one of them. Every last one of them laugh at them and i mean till you pee yourself it's the old irish catholic saying what the devil hates the most is to be mocked laugh look at them like kirk to Khan in star trek 2 i'm laughing at the superior intellect don't respond with serious commentary it's not deserving of that do not be deceived god will not be mocked a man will always reap what they've sowed. They have reaped lunacy and insanity. Return it. Laugh at these people mercilessly. And when you're done laughing, start laughing again. Don't stop laughing. Don't stop mocking. This, this, this can't be mocked and derided enough. These people are absolutely they're fools. Make them drown in their foolishness for their own good and our entertainment value.
This is my version of Paul saying to the church in Corinth, hey, that dude in the front row with his arm around his stepmom, throw him out so that Satan will have his way with them. That's kind of my version uh, of, what I'm, of, of, of what we're talking about here. Don't entertain this. Don't pearl clutch. Don't say another sign of the... No, 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 no. Give him a you so dumb for real, all right? Bed intruder the hell out of these people because it's right from the pit of hell where all of this lunacy is coming from. Um, the story of Jamie Shoup. This reminds me of early in my career, I did several interviews with people who had left homosexuality behind. The one that has stuck with me the most is a woman named Charlene Cothran. I think that was her name. I think that's right. And at the time she edited, I think it was called Venus Magazine, which was a leading magazine for, for black lesbians. And if I remember her story correctly, because um, she came on my show and told it, if, if I remember her story correctly, literally a, a believing woman came up and spoke truth into her life. And it was literally like, it, it forced her to take a long look at what in the Sam Hill am I doing? And I remember after I, she was, I did several of these interviews and she was, she was the most compelling of them. I would be inundated with emails from people telling me she was never gay. Or I, I would have people, yeah, I listened to the interview, but I don't believe people can change their sexuality. I mean, that is a level of brainwashing that there isn't an intellectual solution for. That, that's, that's Book of Revelation, and we open the sixth bowl, and strong delusion, that's what we're dealing with. When you're, when you're at that point, when you hear someone's story, and the whole basis for why you were accepting aberrant forms of sexuality is you're emotionally moved by someone's story that I was born this way. I couldn't fight these urges. There was nothing I could do. And you're moved by that to think, yeah, yeah, I, I sympathize with you. I, I, you're right. You, you should be left alone and, and maybe even treated extra special. That when that same person comes back with the same emotion, albeit a different testimony, the exact same rationale that you use to justify your sympathy for their current plight you just 100% undeniably ignore the next time around. That is group think incarnate. And you're going to see it now when it comes to tranny madness. It's going to happen here. And I can promise you, Mr. Shoop's not getting back on the front page of the New York Times any other time soon for telling the truth. And, and if you will not accept that this is immutable, then you are the bigot and, and maybe we label your Patreon page adult content. Maybe your Facebook wall claims every week you're adding 90 new people, but the actual overall count for three years is, is plus 12. That's what we're, that's, that is, that's the level of institutionalized brainwashing that we are dealing with here. It took, it took decades for the homosexual movement to get to this point. Gender dysphoria has literally accomplished that in the, this in the cultural equivalent of 10 minutes. That's another sign your culture is devolving at a, at, a, at a more rapid pace. And we should all be spending a lot more time in prayer 
and examining our own lives in that process. The contractions are getting shorter now. You want to, let me give you, I'm going to give you a living, breathing example that sexuality is not immutable. The first lady of New York City, Bill de Blasio's wife. Man, you, I, when I went out and tried out to be the afternoon drive guy for Salem in New York City is when de Blasio was first running for mayor. And the New York Post had a story about, or no, that was the New York Daily News, had a profile of his wife. And his wife, they, they talked about how she was a, an activist black lesbian writing for gay rights publications in New York City in the 1970s. Did we bury a lead there? How is Bill de Blasio's wife? Uh, uh, we have chocolate, <laughs> vanilla, and strawberry, Beavis. She's transitioned, yeah, Steve. How, how's Bill de Blasio, Bill de Blasio, wife? How was she once a lesbian? You know, that's kind of she's his wife. I didn't think that could happen. That's about as hard to keep track of as uh, $900 million of taxpayer money. Indeed. The phones went nuts when I brought this up. Did they talk about her pet unicorn? <laughs> because I, I thought that didn't happen. I thought everybody was born this way and, and they, their desires could not change. So, I mean, that Anne Heche, Ellen DeGeneres thing, why didn't that work out? If everybody's born this way and it can't change. If the only solution to your gender confusion is the equivalent of 20 birth control pills a day, then how do you explain the story of Andrew Shoup? You can't. So that's why he's going to be ignored. Homeowners, beware. A recent data breach just exposed 24 million of us to home title fraud. If you've got a refi, a mortgage, or a HELOC through a major bank, this bank's breach may have put you at risk for losing every dollar of equity in your home because it gave scammers everything they need to steal your home's title. They can forge your signature as the seller, refile your home now under a new name, take out loans on your home, stick you with the payments. Why? Because that data breach means they have the information that you use to conduct your business online, verify your you, like last four digits of a SOCH or um, a checking account number or a middle initial or a maiden name. They go to your county accessor recorder site, uh, use that verifiable information to log in, claim their you, forge a signature, and now you're like that couple right now that uh, is in the news in Philadelphia who's fighting back against a North Carolina man who's been doing this to them and keeps putting their home up for sale when they plan on staying there. Uh, for a while. Don't let this happen to you. Protect the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, especially when it will cost you just pennies a day to do so through our friends at Home Title Lock. And who knows, you may already be victimized. Find out with a free title scan and report from Home Title Lock. That's normally a $100 value, but free today for our family at the blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Okay, so Every now and then, I find a film on Netflix. 
from a worldview perspective that most people haven't heard of. And I'm thinking we need to talk about this uh, from 2017. What happened to Monday? You guys remember that film we talked about at yes. the time, yep. which, which essentially is a dystopian future story with Glenn Close playing Margaret Sanger. What if Margaret Sanger's viewpoint was carried to its most logical conclusion, right? And yeah. so the film is essentially Logan's run with Planned Parenthood as the villain. And Glenn Close is Margaret Sanger. And it's one of the most overtly pro-life movies that probably mainstream culture is capable of producing on its own even if they don't even know what it is fully that they were actually articulating. The film we're going to talk about today, just because I think there's a worldview that needs to be ex examined, doesn't mean necessarily that I think it's an apologetic. It's a positive one, all right? So quick backstory. Um, one of the things we're talking about is we have some early stages developmental conversations about the the film adaptation of a nefarious plot is you know we've discussed notions and I want to make sure I don't because I don't want to give anything away or we may not do that but one of the ideas we've had is a film that has a self largely a self contained set piece like if you remember the movie Buried with Ryan Ryan Reynolds a few years ago all most of it took place with him buried underground okay. And they and the production team at Believe Entertainment has given me a couple of ideas of films that they think did this, pulled this off well. And um, and on my own, in my fair, spare time, I've been see, looking for other movies to see how well they've done this. And I, and I found a movie on Netflix called Await Further Instructions that largely takes place in a self-contained set piece. And I thought, I'm going to give this a shot, okay? Here's a portion of the trailer. Can we not do this? I want to meet them. Come on. Nick, it's so good to see you. Full house this year. Well, maybe this year we can have a proper family Christmas like we used to. This country used to be great till all them Johnny Ahmeds and Bobby Bongo Bongo started coming in. Mr. Milgram, that's not fair. You come in here with your two hey, arms and your Don't shout at my girlfriend. <laughs> Here's what we do. We'll get up really early before they do, and we'll just go home. Someone's locked us in. What do you want to do? They're all the same. <laughs> Who would lock us in? Hello! All right, so the film is called Await Further Instructions. The, I gave you and Todd, Aaron, some instructions last week. Some heads up. I want to talk about this movie for Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between popular culture and conservatism, meaning where popular culture swerves into addressing the things we as conservatives are trying to conserve, either positively or negatively. And I told you guys, I don't, I'm not telling you anything about this movie. I told you nothing other than that. I even texted you the title like hours later. I gave you no hint about what the film was at all, other than what I just said to the audience. I'm just kind of looking at movies that are self-contained set pieces for some ideas, okay? And see whether it's something we could pull off with Nefarious, something like that. And um, I then, then I told you guys, I don't want you to talk to each other after you see it. I even had made arrangements where you would send Todd, after Aaron had already written down his own thoughts, you would then send him 
your thoughts so we could put them on screen without me having seen them or you knowing what Aaron thinks, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. Okay. So if you plan on seeing this movie, I want to give you a spoiler alert. There's no way we can discuss the worldview of this film without spoilers. All right. So I'm going to give you the count of three and then you have been warned. Three, two, one. All right. Here we go. All right, Aaron, show me what Todd's thoughts on the movie were. Okay. Number one, this movie is about idol worship and the jealousy of God's imposters. While, number two, while the main imposter proves to be the TV entertainment uh, slash news biotech demon, other idols are clearly laid out via the various forms of drama that define the main character's lives at the outset. The bigoted grandpa, played by the the guy who was the security guard of the grounds at Mr. Hogwarts. Filch. Yes. Yeah. Um, r- the rigid father, the fearful mother, airhead daughter. These are all clearly types that many people fall into as their idol-craving identity and are the reason the characters in the movie are easily preyed upon. That should be P-R-E-Y, I think is what you meant. Number three, while I can't be certain of the writer's, director's motivations, it seems at least fair to say that they could be A, simultaneously mocking Christianity's powerlessness in the face of such idol worship, or even mocking it as um, as complicit in the idol worship in the case of the father who thinks he has a divine right or is part of a chosen people. B, acknowledging that there is some kind of otherworldly escape to be found in the absence of idol worship by way of the admonition to be not afraid, as alluded to by the main character and his girlfriend being shown uh, in alone in a beautiful field away from the horror of the house. Four, the final scene seems to implicit seems to be implicitly Christian because no house has been spared, i.e. none are without sin, not one. Five, Todd writes, I obviously found the vaccination scene fascinating. Tough to be the one who died, says the dad about the grandpa, but that's just how the sa- the sausage gets made. Sacrifices are required, which is what a jealous imposter God would say in contrast with the cross above his television set. So, before we just get into specifics, in general, you definitely saw some attempt at the deconstruction of Christianity by this film. Yes, but I, I I don't. I'm curious to hear how malicious you guys think it was or or wasn't because of that. I I mean I'm not certain. I don't know who this guy is who made the movie. Okay, Aaron, share now your thoughts. Uh, yeah, all kind of. I my thoughts were shorter, so I'll explain them. Uh, movie perfectly illustrates the West, specifically America. We're all in this. Uh, we're we're all family. We're all countrymen. In name only, you have kind of the archetypes that Todd went through about the older generation with the grandpa who sees the changes happening all around him, is scared about that and takes it out, or not takes it out, but uh, is not afraid to communicate that to the younger generations. Mm-hmm. You got the, the second, grandpa's a soldier, by the way. Yeah, we should note that soldier. He served in the UK military in yep. the Middle East. Actually, you got yeah. the his son, uh, the most of the characters' father, who resents his dad while simultaneously trying to live up to some uh, notion of manhood or masculinity that may or may not be actually true. You've got the younger generation, the millennials, if you will, if you will, that are very distrustful or like, is this really the way that I want to live my life as well? I don't think so. 
Um, and then you've got the mom who is just an everyday person. She just wants to have Christmas. She just wants to be together with the family. She's not really ideological. And Todd, you know, pointing out the, the way that they each represent idolatry. These are just normal people. These are the people who are just make up, I think, the vast majority of America. And they're all trying. They, they're only related by name only. And they're all trying to share this space peacefully. You see one trying to get out, obviously, in the trailer, and that doesn't work. Uh, stories perfectly illustrates Psalm 1412. There's a way to man that seems right, but its end is the way of death. The dad just being on the warpath, we have to obey. We have to obey what's on the television. These are the smart people. And that ties into the third point. I think it actually de- deconstructs progressivism, not Christianity. I didn't. I mean, yes, there is the, the really weird scene where they think at the end, this is, this is really Christianity, or this is the baby Jesus, what have you, coming back. I think this actually illustrates or uh, deconstructs progressivism. Uh, the television is the, the which is the organiza- organism that takes over the house that ends up killing everybody. It's the smart person, the sensible person, the person of reason and science, the one you can trust. Meanwhile, it's slowly closing in on you, and before you realize the truth, uh, it's already too late. Just like progressivism, creeping progressivism. Um, the absence of the transcend. There was an, just a complete absence of the transcendent, meaning the spiritual in the story. I think that part of it is especially transcendent or especially prophetic um, because as we see in our culture, we, I mean, look at the montage today, the last part of the montage. What is lost in all of this is any form of, of uh, faith, any form of um, a, a, a taking away of guilt and shame. It's the same thing in this film. Uh, there's uh, particularly in kind of on these last two notes. Um, there is one particular part of the story where the son's girlfriend, who is the the Indian, uh, I think the young Indian woman or uh, immigrant, what have you, um, she is seen by the rest of the family, especially the father. She is seen to have some sort of cough. Maybe she has. Maybe she's sick. Maybe she has the flu. Um, as soon as the TV says, "One among you is." contaminated isolate them she is isolated mercilessly absolutely mercilessly and i she actually ends up being the only one who can help them through a very poor, important part of the film uh and then finally sorry i'm taking up way too much time uh this is a pattern i think for the nefarious plot if you can figure out some way to translate nefarious plot into something like this uh, i think you're going to be successful yeah. so Looking at you guys' thoughts, um, uh, I agree with a lot of what you wrote, but I don't think you went far enough. I think it's absolutely a malicious takedown, and I'm going to explain why. And I, I think that way. Um, doesn't mean it's true. It's just why I think that's the case. Can I offer one brief point of clarification? When I said a deconstruction, I meant as, at the very least as modern Christians live it out. Not necessarily Christianity okay, now we're per getting, se. Now, now we're getting closer to where what I think. That's what I meant. Okay. I agree with Aaron that it's actually a deconstruction of progressivism, but it's not intended to be. It's a self-indictment. Okay, this is this is absolutely intended to be a deconstruction of Christianity. The family cross is over the television set. And it is the television set where they get the further instructions. The television set literally says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
come to me for salvation. The television set literally says this. It literally quotes Christ's words right out of the gospel. Okay? That's what makes them think this is Jesus returning. This is Jesus coming back. Who is the most obedient to the television set pretending to be Jesus? Who's the most obedient character to it? The father. The father. Uh, who's the worst, literally the worst person in the whole story? The father. The father. Yeah. Who's the one who prays grace to Jesus on Christmas to remember the reason for the season? Who's the one before the meal? The father. father. Who's the one that makes any 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 exor, any display of, of, of verbal cueing Christianity? There's only one character in the film who does it. Who is it? Father. The father, all the way through. And again, we've already determined who's the worst person in the movie. The father is. Who was the one that demanded they take the vaccine from the TV? Who was the one that demanded the they father. take it? Father. Who was the one that demanded they isolate the one immigrant woman? Who was the one that demanded that? The he is the villain all the way through. Okay? I don't think there's any question this is intent to be a deconstruction of Christianity. Here's, though, where I agree with Aaron that it actually deconstructs progressivism without, I believe, intending to. Because at the end of the film, what you learn is what's been is that essentially what has been living in our television signals all this time is an alien parasite. And this alien parasite essentially overwhelms the entire planet at the end. And so this movie tries to make like all of the white people are bad. And the one who knows any Bible verses at all is the absolute worst. There's literally a scene where his daughter, his her life could be saved, and the dad literally completely ejects. Yep. That is golden compass level Satanism. Where the, where the guy who writes the golden compass books literally tells you that Lucifer's the hero and God is the, you know, God, the God who wasn't there is the villain. All right. That that's right out, that's golden compass level. Uh, of, of messaging there. So the father, when needed the most, ejects and is nowhere to be found. So the only good person on the show is the immigrant who's female and not white. The, the, the daughter who uh, the father adored the most, he leaves her for, uh, by the road. The father, the God who wasn't there. All right, but here's where it deconstructs and it steps on its own, uh, its own Deborah Messing cupcake. Here, here's where it does this. At the end of the film, so the 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 son who rebels against all the traditions of his father and his grandfather, and that's why he's been disowned. He hasn't been home for Christmas for years because he views that all the all their heteronormative Judeo-Christian patriarchy is oppressive. And so he's rebelled against this to accept the new progressive religion right down to bringing home. Uh, and they were, I didn't even look at the vehicle, but I'm guessing it was probably a hybrid uh, bringing home his immigrant daughter to show them the error of their ways. Okay. That they need to leave the Thatcher eighties behind. This is it's 2019 now. Don't you know? Okay. Do they survive at the end of the film? No, nope. no. They are swallowed up. They're not some new... Now, when you were watching the film, did you think they were going to be like a new Adam and Eve? Is that what you kind of thought? Because that's what I thought. Yeah, I, they especially, even show you that. Yeah, especially they even point. show you that that... Yep. They even tease that that's where this is going to go. All right? You, you're that, talking about the scene I mentioned when they're yes. the dream in the yes. field. See that? that you think they're going to be some kind of new Adam and Eve and that this is going to be a reboot of humanity, the progressive way, the right way. And instead, um, they're annihilated too. What this film is, 
is an is an honest portrayal both of how progressivism sees the the Christian foundation foundation of the West, but then it also maybe and maybe and I think it's probably inadvertent. It admits it has no real answers to the way of the world either. It has no real answer to evil either. It has no real answer to um, uh, to um, uh, the existence of evil in human nature. It has no answers to any of those things. And it justifies itself rebelling against the Christian normalcy because mom's head's buried in the sand and dad's an a-hole. And so because some of the people that claim to, and my grandfather's auditioning for Archie Bunker reruns, okay? So since some of the people around me claiming to be Christians are wretched people, that must mean Christianity is not true. And I am free to go out and live any way I want to now live and but then sooner or later reality bites man if you remember that movie from when we were younger and and uncle bingo shows up with the bill and it's time to pay the check and it's a doozy they all die every last human being total annihilation of the earth that ultimately progressivism is regressivism and leads to nihilism every single time that whether or not you were raised in a terrible quote unquote christian household is irrelevant it doesn't change whether jesus christ walked out of the tomb or not doesn't change. Doesn't change anything. Doesn't change a, a syllable of God's word. And if you use that as an excuse to say, yeah, I do think it changes things, be prepared to pay a huge price for that, which is the price they pay at the end of the film. It was some movie. My wife can't watch it, though. Yeah. Is she a little too squeamish for it? Yeah. yeah. We'll come back. Joseph, if you're listening, and I know you are, you're on deck next here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. All right, back with hour two of the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on The Blaze. Ow, that was my wrist. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. So, you know, New Year's resolutions, we've all made them. And for many years, like smoking and losing weight were the the top two choices. And as smoking's become less socially acceptable, losing weight has taken over, especially as obesity rates have skyrocketed. Losing weight's number one uh, all by itself there at the top of the charts. And a lot of studies show that sometime between Valentine's Day and St. Patty's Day, right around the time we're in right now, is when a lot of that uh, New Year's resolve begins to fade, if not go away altogether. If this is you, one, I've fought the battle of the bulge. Um, and I've won it to some extent. You know, nobody would necessarily call me thin, but, you know, when I used to wear a 6X shirt um, and I had to have a seatbelt extension to fit on an airplane and I couldn't sit in a booth at a restaurant and I couldn't ride almost any roller coaster in America, um, I made a lot of progress. And so one thing I can tell you right away, don't diet. Look at lifestyle, diet, diet, no. I mean, diet like if you want to get into a wedding dress or a tux for an event, that, you know, something like that, okay? But I mean, don't use that as a recipe for getting healthy. Lifestyle is what you have to change to do that, 
Okay. Now here's what makes it harder though, as we get older is our metabolism show, slows down. We just don't have the fat burning capability that we had when we were younger, you know, and that was, that's how I gained a bunch of weight. I mean, you know, before we knew we had supplements and stuff. And when we, we, you know, when we had back in the day, when you had two a day practices, you'd stop at McDonald's for breakfast, go to practice, hit like, you know, Burger King for in, in between practices. And then after practice, you'd go to Taco Bell. Remember they had that 39, 59, 79 cent menu back in the day. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like a home away from home. We didn't think about, so we didn't know about food processing and stuff like that in the late 80s, early 90s. And then what happened when I got to college and I wasn't as active, particularly when I got out of college and I kept eating the same way, but I wasn't as active and my metabolism wasn't as stoked. What do you think happened? That's what happened. All right, we, we, you ballooned up, you know? Well, as we get older, you may even struggle to, to reach your ideal health um, you know, happy place, even if with some of those changes that are necessary uh, because of where your metabolism's at. That's why you want to check out Riduzone. All right, so this is not, I want to tell you right now, this is not a stimulant and I wouldn't endorse it if it was, okay? This is an all-natural subst- supplement based on a substance called OEA, which is found in olive oil. And it's something our bodies produce a lot of, especially when we're younger, that really stokes our metabolic level. And as we get older, we don't produce as much of it. So, I mean, if you just want to, if you like olive oil, I mean, I'm Italian, Sicilian descent, I love it, but you'd have to drink like half a bottle of it to get the full complement of OEA that you get in one capsule of Riduzone. So that's, do that if you just like, dude, I, you're, you're like Todd who would literally come into work with a paper bag around a bottle of vinegar and he, during breaks, he'd be like, you know, doing shots cause he, he main lines vinegar. So if you love olive oil that much, that's a great way to boost your metabolism. If you're like uh, a little olive oil goes a long way. I can't drink a half a bottle of it at a time. Try Riduzone. And right now uh, they're offering 30% off a three month supply. If you use my name as a promo code, Steve. All right. So go to Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. Promo code Steve. Get 30% off a three month supply today. All right. So last week we got a note and, and I've gotten this note a gentle admonition. Yes, uh, I mean, I remember how we used to have counters on our websites back in the day. <laughs> I, I, I've gotten this note. We're in the quadruple digits, probably, or at least approaching that over the, especially if you count tweets or Facebook posts, things like that. And and it essentially comes down to, at least I think it comes down to, why don't you adore Donald Trump as much as I do? Why aren't you singing, oh, come let us adore him, Trump the Lord? Why aren't you doing that with me, right? But I thought, you know what? I want to make sure I'm holding myself to the standard I hold others, right? I'm always gently admonishing. Don't create, make everybody a straw straw man, a, a construct. People are people, not constructs. So you'll never be crafty, but you're very gentle. (laughs) (laughs) And tomorrow Todd's going to tell you that I'm not a selfish lover. So um, you want a man with slow hands. So (laughs) so much for tomorrow. (laughs) My grandma Munner, God bless her. I was her favorite. She spoiled me rotten and she used to listen to Conway Twitty all the time. You know, and I'm like, and I didn't care. She was feeding me archway cookies and pinwheels, you know. And she showed me like every horror movie ever made. That's probably one of the reasons I turned out this way. 
And then like years later, I like listen to the lyrics of those Conway Twitty songs. I'm this like, Nana, this is dirty stuff you're listening to, you know? Anyway, um, I, I don't want to make a construct of everybody who has Joseph's view. So I invited Joseph to send us five questions. And I told Joseph, if you send us these five questions, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take what you, what your disagreement is at face value, send them to Aaron. So I never see them and I will answer them off the cuff live on the air one by one. And Aaron Joseph has, has agreed. Yep. And I'm going to, he, he sent me an email either the day after or two days after this original conversation. And I want to, he sent me the five questions. He actually sent a bonus one if, uh, if we want to get to that at the end, but uh, we'll limit it to five questions now. And I want to read the beginning of his email that he sent me um, before we get into the questions, if that's all right. It's like a preamble. Yeah, a preamble okay. to the questions. Uh, right. He says, Mr. Steve Dace, I will take you up on your offer to submit five questions to you. These are not hard questions meant to trip you up in any way, but they are sincere questions of importance, and I hope you will understand where I'm coming from with them. For this exercise, uh, you can call me Joe. Uh, sorry I was so blunt with you in my email on March 4th. I wanted to stand out and stir the blood in your veins like you do with your audience so I could get some kind of response from you. Of course, you know politics. I would hope so. You do it for a living. And you know a lot about your religion. But that doesn't mean that you're going down the right road all the time. Sure. I'll keep this sh short. Uh, the reason I emailed you is that when the three of you say you are Christian, but then you do not want to support or vote for President Trump, I have to ask why not. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the three of you did not vote for him. I know you do not like some of the things he has said or done, but there is no one else that can help protect a Christian way of life. It is the Christians in the Republican Party that will protect our values and put an end to abortion. Believe me when I say I'm no big fan of the Republicans, but I live in Realville. The Democratic Party will not do anything for Jesus Christ, but outlaw his name. So, Steve, the Republican Party to me is just a tool we need to use at this time. We need to keep them in office so that no more damage can be done by the Democrats. If the Democratic Party take control, it could be another 20 years before we end this killing spree. It is not a Republican thing for me. It is an ending abortion thing. Please don't label me like you did yesterday and put me in a box. There's a lot more to a person that you can get out of one email. <laughs> so then Come without on. further ado. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why are you laughing? Come on. You can't write the letter you wrote in the first place and say, I was just trying to get attention. And then please don't put me. This is farcical off the bat, but not my show. So, so well, do you want to react to that first part? Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I don't disagree with much of his overall assessment of the situation. It's just that it's different from the first letter. It yeah. I, like. I, I mean, I don't, you I, disagree with the part where he was really polishing the Trump idol, weren't you? Well, yeah, but Do, I'm, I, I don't disagree with his overall political diagnosis. I don't. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too right now is what well, he's trying that's, to do. That, and it's but, pissing me off. Well, quite frankly. that's why I thought, you know what? You send us the questions. Just answer the yeah. Let's answer and and, and that because the way you frame the questions and the questions like 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 I said the other day when Ben Bruns came in here, the fact that the that I gave him an open platform, he could talk and ask me about anything. All I asked him to do was, what is that you're the most interested in? Start there, so we make sure we don't run out of time. And the fact that he began with he wanted to debate me on the nature of human nature, that tells you right away he's serious about this. Okay. And so instead of that's again, but you put, you find out if someone's serious by you, you put it on them. 
You show me that you're serious. So I'm going to do my best to answer Joe's questions. I'm going to try to drop as many truth bombs, hence the name of the book, okay? In fact, we'll even let my truth bombs book, can it, we're going to you know go pick it up today. This will be today's truth bombs. will be this conversation, all right? So truth bombs, confronting the lies, conservatives believe to our own demise, available bookstores now, apparently right next to Kamala Harris's can, book, I guess. Can we agree, though, that what at the end of these five questions, he wants you to ultimately have to admit on air that in order to save the babies in the name of Christendom, you need to vote for Donald Trump. That's what his goal is. Well, I don't know what his goal is. I think it's not crazy to assume that, you know? I mean— we have we have voted Republican a lot the last forty five years, and haven't saved any babies. Okay, but that that may be true. That may be. You know what? Let's let Joseph speak for himself. Okay. So, question one. Uh, question one: Which major party is more closely aligned with God's will, and which major party is more hostile towards God's word? Well, I I think you're 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 mixing metaphors there. Those two things are apples and oranges, meaning that you can know God's word and be hostile hostile or resistant to his will. Okay? I mean, even the, the devil, demon— perhaps? Yeah, the devil knows scripture. The demons fear and tremble. Um, Peter is literally laying his head down at night for three years with the word of God incarnate. And at one point, Jesus looks at him and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, you can you can know a whole lot of scripture. Paul is authoring scripture. When you read 1 Corinthians, it's actually the second letter to the Corinthians. And when you read 2 Corinthians, it's actually the third. We don't know what happened at the first. One of my theories has always been when you see how mad Paul is in 1 Corinthians, I can imagine they maybe burned the letter. Yeah, they might <laughs> I can I wonder I sometimes want the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, let's try that one again. Because he's pretty mad at 1 Corinthians. You know, I mean, Paul has falling, Paul is writing scripture. He has falling outs with, with other apostles, other disciples. They argue, they debate. You can know all kinds of God's word and be hostile to his word or hostile to his will. Because I could take your question, Joseph, and turn it around. If you're right, that the Republican Party is more aligned with God's will, why do they keep funding Planned Parenthood? Four-dimensional chastity. Why do they keep funding every scheme of the Democratic Party has embedded in the culture in the welfare state? Year after year after year. Why does this godless government grow regardless of who wins elections? Why is, the, why is the head of ICE today writing a letter to the White House saying, my agents used to support you but are now feeling like you've turned your back on them and aren't keeping your promises? Is that, is, is, is that by the way, thoughts and prayers for Chris Crane's booking producer. Fox is going to suddenly stop calling. But, who? Um, who was that? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that the Democratic Party is hostile to God's word. Meaning, they are in opposition to it. Not even resistant to it or thinking it's impractical oh. or it needs to be amended. I mean, opposition. Opposition. Agreed. 
We're not, there's a difference between an enemy and an opponent. They are not an opponent of God's word. I agree that they are an enemy, which is exactly why I have said here how many times in the first quarter of this year and said, the gates, let me say it again, the gates of Mordor are open. We need to, and every time I say this, like every one of Shannon Joy's listeners sends me a note or a text or I'm sorry, a note or a tweet that I'm a sellout now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting this a ton of times too. Like, That's the like, other side like of the Like now I'm of... supposed to ignore the horde of orcs coming over the hill. Okay. With, with the blood, the black blood flowing out of their toothless grins. I'm supposed to ignore this because we don't like Trump. I'm supposed to ignore that. Hey, I don't like Trump. So yeah, have you have, have your way at my home and family as I don't like Trump. What, what the hell sense does that make? That make any sense to you? None at all. No, that's another idol that wants me to spit polish it for them. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't disagree with your diagnosis of the Democratic Party. It's why I went out there and voted straight ticket Republican last November. It, for uh, several of them, I don't like and I don't believe have have earned my vote. But, but the this, last among those reasons was them being diehard followers of God's will, right? Yeah, it was nowhere on the list, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yes, Terry. And I would like to say this as well. Um, it could very well be. It's not like we're saying that the Republican Party is not more closely aligned with God's will. It might be more closely aligned with God's will. And guess what? It's even okay for anybody to think that. And maybe even anybody to vote for the Republican Party or a Republican candidate because of that. Here's what the problem is. If you are insistent on having us admit that or having us affirm that, even though, and again, we can debate whether or not that that's actually a true statement. We're talking in kind of the uh, hypothetical here. It's okay for you to, to vote on that reason. It may not be right. It may not be accurate. But if you're requiring us to affirm that, then that's, that, that means that the motivation really, that's not really what your motivation is. Well, if you're if you're not at all aligned with God's will or hostile hostile to it, as you said, Steve, how much does it actually take to be more closely aligned? Very little. That's my that's what I'm that's what I'm going to say next. The Word of God does not permit you to say it. it the, I would the Word of Steve would, yeah. <laughs> but the Word of God doesn't have doesn't grade on a curve. Yep. It is a pass fail exercise. Yep. Why do you why do you call me Lord and you do not do what I say? There's a binary choice. Why do we have to die daily? Be either hot or cold, Steve. Yeah, because we will daily we will daily turn our backs, hourly, momentarily turn our backs on God. So this idea that you approach God's throne and say, I'm justified because I'm closer to you than Todd. That's actual. That's pagan. That's absolution. a great way to put it. That's that's not. So, Matt, you you have two children. One of them says, "We should yes, Daddy, I respect you, and we should do what you say," and even quotes what you say to the other siblings. But then you go in their room, and they're a total slob. Nothing's been done. They don't do any of their schoolwork whatsoever. The other sibling is starting fires in the backyard. And is the neighborhood bully. Which one is closer to your will? Answer. It's a totally irrelevant question at that point. Because you're pissed at both of them justifiably. This is an irrelevant question, Joseph. It's irrelevant. Now, I do agree 
that when an earthly alternative openly declares war on you and, and it's survive or, or death, I do agree that the perfect cannot be the enemy of the good. So if you want me to vote for Donald Trump because of who the Democrats are, I'm actually already sold on this. I'm the one actually preaching this doctrine right now. And yourself. To the chagrin of Shannon Joy's audience. I'm the one preaching this doctrine. What you want me to do, therefore, though, is take the next step. And I won't go there with you. You want me to say, because the Democrats are bad, therefore the Republicans are good. And no, they're not. I I, I guess if you want to tell me, because the Democrats are literally at the 12th ring of hell. And the Republicans are, 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 are dipping their toe in the abyss, looking at it longingly, wondering, hey, how far down does this go? I guess if you want to tell me that the Republicans are closer to God's will because the Democrats are skinny dipping in brimstone and sulfur, okay. I've, I've got more worthwhile things on this earth to debate, though. Next question. Is All that, right. That, we okay with that answer? Yep. Nailed it. Okay. Why do you vote? Now, that's a great question. That's the kind of questions I ask people. Because you get to the core worldview of somebody. Yep. Okay? I vote to be a good steward of the freedoms and liberties God provides me and the rights he alone grants me. Stewardship is another way of saying conservatism. Because the root word of conservatism is what? Conserve. Conserve. What does a steward do? Conserve. Conserve and oversee prudently the resources or materials or goods or privileges or liberties that a more powerful force up the food chain has granted them stewardship over for a time. That's why I vote. You guys want to add, subtract, multiply, d- deny, or divide? Perfect. Anything and simplicity. That? Yep. No, that's good. But that's that's a very good question, Joseph. That Those are the kinds of worldview questions that need to be asked more often. Yes. Why? Uh, who do you want to pick the next Supreme Court justice, a Democratic president or a Republican president? Well, I'm living in a state right now with a majority Republican-appointed state Supreme Court that yesterday said Medicare. I have no idea why a, a state Supreme Court thinks it has jurisdictional authority over a federal entitlement. Do you know that answer? Yeah, you do. Just for the same reason they thought they had it over every other well, issue that they've usurped. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, because I, I know that that's really what they because mean. Because legislatures are full of cowards. And yeah, I'm just wondering where frauds. I'm wondering where they believe a state supreme court. They determine the jurisdictional authority. Well, that's, of a federal entitlement. Okay? Uh, well, it's pretty easy, and it's two words. I wanna. Well, that's okay. I'm thinking that's probably the answer, but we're doing this whole thing today. We don't want to treat people like a straw man. I'm, so I'm trying to think. What do they think their jurisdictional authority is? I'm I mean, not I, treating I, I know, them, I'm not treating them like a straw man. I, I, well, yeah, they are t- literally taught in law schools. A court determines its own jurisdiction. They are literally taught this in almost every law school in the country. But I'm living in a state right now where the majority of justices, I voted Republican for good justices, and a majority of them yesterday decided that if you have gender dysphoria, taxpayers have to pay for you to get your niblets cut off. And if they're not willing to do that, then they're just, uh, they're bigots. Uh, Six of the nine justices that voted for, uh, that Roe v. Wade, well, I mean, Roe v. Wade came came from a Republican majority court, court, appointed court. Kilo versus New London came from a Republican majority appointed court. 
Obamacare was saved twice by the chief justice. I'm old enough. See, this is what you got to be careful arguing with a guy with a photographic memory and a God-given level of prodigious recall. Because, man, I, I make really good arguments on the fly. Okay. I remember doing the shows early in my career. John Roberts, this is why we voted for George W. Bush, was to get him as the new chief justice. So he would reign from on high forever and ever and ever. One, two, Freddie's coming for you. Yeah. And then he turned around and saved Obamacare twice by totally legislating from the bench. Twice. Twice. And they, the, you know, Anthony Kennedy did vote the right way in the Hobby Lobby case, but he made sure to word it the most narrow way possible. They voted right in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, but read their ruling. They didn't say what the state of Colorado did to him was wrong because of the First Amendment. They said what they did to him was wrong because they couldn't come up with a rationale for why they would do it other than religious animus. Come up with a better rationale, and yeah, you can absolutely put those Christians on your torch tonight if you want, because they're bigots too. We just had Brett Kavanaugh side against us on a, on a key abortion case recently. So, I mean, okay. Again, if your whole standard is, this is, this is, this is my concern with all the premise of your questions. If everything you decide, Joseph is on the basis of how bad the Democrats are. How much evil can the Republicans do then and still be good? Did I hope Joe heard yesterday's conversation. How much evil? See, I'm in a place right now where because of the open hostility, not just corruption, indifference, they are enemies of my faith. I'm at the point, for me, it's really almost irrelevant who the Republicans are because I'm just looking for rocks to throw up, sandbags to stop a flood. I don't care. You know, you, I'm Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive. Send me all your nuanced explanations for why you had to vote to fund Planned Parenthood. I don't care. Well, you're honest. It's you're, not you're, aspirational. Here, uh, yeah, that's yeah, the point. It, it, you know what? I, I'm, I, you're, I'm just going to use you as I'm putting you up as a human shield. I'm yes. drafting you and, you know, stand in front of the water so it doesn't come to my home. I don't, I don't care what your explanations are, nuances are. As, as Nick Nolte once said to Eddie Murphy in the movie 48 Hours, we ain't partners, we ain't brothers, and we ain't, sure as hell, ain't friends. Okay? You know what? You're here because if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. And I would like a more noble steed to ride in to the battle on my behalf. Unfortunately, donkey is what I got. You got me deep, Shrek. That's what we got. So donkey it will be. So I'm going to throw as many donkeys up there against the donkeys as I possibly can. And no, because that doesn't mean these donkeys suddenly become noble steeds. They're still what? Donkeys. Donkeys. They're always going to be what? Donkeys. Donkeys. Can they transition from donkeydom? No. no. Donkeys for evs. But they're not the donkeys trying to blow up whatever is left of my way of life. Now, they're not trying to preserve or protect it either. But I'm, I am. So this is totally in my own self-interest. My, it, it's like, a, to me, I am finally accepting this like a sporting event. Just not in the context many of you, like, like you, Joseph, want. So you want my team to be the best team because it's my team and we're the besties. To me, this is Ohio State playing Notre Dame. 
I don't like either one of these teams. They don't like me. Um, my team, for, I'm wearing my maize and blue today. If, if it's in Michigan's best interest for Ohio State to beat Notre Dame, I'm rooting for Michigan, and Ohio State's just a means to an end. And if it's in Michigan's best interest for Notre Dame to beat Ohio State, I'm rooting for maybe Michigan and Ohio, Michigan State and Ohio State's a better example because we're all in the same conference. I'm not really rooting for Michigan State. I don't like Michigan State. They don't like me. I'm not rooting for Ohio State. I don't like Ohio State. They don't like me. I like Michigan. So right now, it's in my best interest for Michigan State to beat Ohio State. So guess what? Give, you know, whatever. Because I'm not really rooting for you. I'm really rooting for who? Me. That's the way I see these two parties. One is, one doesn't want me. The other wants to end me. The more immediate threat, clear and present danger is the one that wants to end me. So there is nothing higher than self-interest here. All virtue is gone. You know, in your preamble note, Joseph, you said that you accepted the realities of the Republican Party. And yet we've gone through three of your questions and two of them are starting from a premise that you really haven't accepted that reality. You really want to believe Team GOP is, is of a more noble virtue. I tweeted out yesterday when, when the Iowa Supreme Court made its ruling on the uh, training madness. But we voted Republican for better judges. First tweet in my timeline is a guy named Nathan Shepard. And again, make my wife will tell you, don't pick an argument with a guy with a photographic memory, okay? Because he remembers everything. First tweet in my timeline is a guy named Nathan Shepard. So what's your alternative, Dace? That was his tweet to me. What he literally just said was, it's totally cool because Republican-appointed justices that mandate and command the, the, the deconstruction of American culture, it's not nearly as bad when they do it. The niblets are not nearly as cut off when the Republicans order the castration as they are when the Democrats do it. The baby's, the baby's execution and dismemberment isn't quite as painful. They don't wince as much at the forceps on the, on the, on the screen when the Republican cut the check to Planned Parenthood than when the Democrat does. That's what he literally said. Well, what's your alternative? You got to keep voting GOP. I, I keep voting GOP to get the same judges I just voted the GOP not to get. Does that make any sense to you? No, because I ask myself which part of our lives are now uh, more secure or make more sense than they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago because we were Republicans. No, no, the answer is zero. I, I didn't sign a bill into law that fully embedded all of Barack Obama's immigration policies for the majority of this year. I didn't do that. Who did that? Donald Trump did that. I didn't do that. I wouldn't have done it. So why is the guy who signed into law the immigration policies you say you're against, why is he the hero and the guy who wouldn't sign it is the bad guy? I, I'm actually the guy that's against what you say you're against. So you're not really against that. You're really just Team GOP. It's Patine. That's my quarterback. But we've got two more questions for you to prove me wrong. When we come back, stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, do you have that plugged up feeling? 
itchy ears, you know, not the metaphorical, you know, allegorical type, but real ones. Um, if, if that, if that's you, if you answered yes to any of those questions, or maybe you said to me, I couldn't hear your questions. Um, if, if that's you in any of those situations, uh, you may need, uh, like millions of Americans, uh, you may be forced to visit a doctor for a professional ear cleaning, but now you have options. You can get the same professional results, but in the comfort and convenience of your own home with WaxRx. WaxRx uses a physician-developed formula and technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with that pH-conditioned formula like you would get from a physician. And now you can get it without a prescription as well. So not just in the comfort and convenience of your own home, but without a prescription. So no more expensive trips to the doctor or long waits at the doctor. Doctor's office. In fact, you can try WaxRx risk-free today. Go to the website. Usewaxrx.com is the site. Yes, usewaxrx, all one word. Usewaxrx.com and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. That's usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Before we go to Joseph's next question, I want to I want to use a word picture that you and I, Todd, were describing. Uh, during the break um, that I think maybe perfectly encapsulates, summarizes the way I see this election coming up. I'm at the point really where the character, integrity, and fealty to his promises exhibited by Donald Trump is, is at this point pretty much irrelevant to me. I mean, you can exhort somebody to do better and, you know, after a while you kick the dust off your sandals and move on to the next town. And you can say, you know, 60-year-old dudes having unprotected sex with porn stars while their hot model wife is at home nursing their newborn. Not a good idea and fairly risky. And then at that point, you know, how many times can you say that before you're like, stop? You can say stuff like, why are you tweeting today about you don't have confidence in the airline industry? Because of a crash in Ethiopia. What is America first about that? That is beyond reckless for presidents to be pontificating at that level. Why are you doing that? But you know what? Here's the reality of the situation. Because Joseph, you keep telling me you want to look at reality, right? Here's the reality. Here's what I need from Donald Trump. Over the ridge there, they have laser pointers pointing at me. And... I hear the sound of gunfire. I, I'm, I think I can properly deduce the gunfire will follow along the trajectory of, of what? The laser pointer. The laser pointer, which I already pointed out is pointed where? You. At me. Right. So here's what I need. Mr. Trump, I need you just about right here. No, no, no. A little to the left. Right there. Just. And now, guess what I don't see? Laser pointer. Because it's actually now pointed where? Him. Him. I, I, that's what I need. Just just stand there. Thanks. I, I'm going to live my life while you stand there. Thank you. I just need a crash test on me at this point. And I have no further higher aspiration than... Better you than me, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, you volunteered. So there'd be the front lines. I'm going to go over here now and live my life as best I can for as long as I can. Just, Just... Just stand. No, don't. No, no, no. Stay there. Right there. Yeah. Just 
Thanks. That's what election day is right there. None, almost none of them are worthy of your vote. Outside of the reality that the gates of Mordor are open, the orcs are over the ridge, the laser pointers are all pointed at us. So it's us or you, bro. And we took a vote and I voted you. So thanks. Uh, you got him, Lone Ranger. I'll be over here. Do you think that illustrates my point as clearly as I possibly can? Yep. Yeah. I think so. If you're looking for anything more than that, you are self-deceived or naive. Choose which one. But you're either naive, you refuse to see the reality of the situation, or you've just willfully chosen not to. You're self-deceived. You don't want to. You need a hero. You're Bonnie Tyler. I need a hero. No, you don't. There are no heroes. None are coming. I just need a crash test on me. I need some I need the orcs to stab at something so they don't stab me. Thanks. Am I clear? Crystal. Crystal. Let's get to the next question. How long do you think it'll be till the Democratic Party declares some parts of the Bible as hate speech? Man, we're already down that road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I asked an answer. Yeah, I mean we we're you know. Todd, you've listened to this show for a long time. Aaron, you've listened to this show since it was a local show when you basically came of age. Remember the good times when we used to be upset about wanting to remove the Ten, ten Commandments right. from the courthouses? Right. Those were the good old days. Yeah. Can you guys ever remember a time I wasn't warning people the Democrats wanted to declare the Bible to be hate speech? No. Have I ever said that they – oh, that's radical. They don't want to do that. Have you guys ever remember a time? I believe my entire opposition to gay marriage was based on the pre- the research of Roger Severino from the Beckett Fund, a white paper that he did for Harvard Law about 15 years ago that looked at other countries in the world that illegalized gay marriage. And then they all turned around and what did they do after they did that? What did they all do? They criminalized Christianity. That's what they all did. That was my entire involvement, the, the, most of the basis of my involvement, other than I just think morally it's a bad idea. But the reason that this became political activism for many of us was because we knew the next step would be marginalization and then criminalization of Christianity. So, uh, you know, I'll take questions from 2003, Steve, for $500. I mean, I, if we're, if we're, if we're, if, if, if now who's not realistic? You're, you, do you think the Democrats will criminalize Christian? I, I, I mean, I'm like that. I'm like that one gift with the guy. Okay, I'm out. I just, I just want to say this. It's ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to my crash test dummy. Stand right there. Yeah, you look good. You look good. You look good in lead. It's very becoming. Thanks for taking those bullets. Appreciate it. We'll be over here going to Disney. Thank you. That's what I need. Let's put Joseph out of his misery, shall we? Question number five. You sure? (laughs) Whenever a millennial says to you, are you sure? Now I'm afraid. (laughs) Uh, Go ahead. Sure, why not? Let's see it through to the bitter end. Just just one. Just try to... Forget everything else that Joe has said. Oh, boy. Just take this standing on its own. Okay. When you go to meet your maker and are asked what you did to end abortion and stop the killing of innocent babies and promote life, how will you answer him? Again, 
Not in the context of everything else that he said. So, Todd, I'm sorry. It's it's, high, it's like high noon right now. It's like just two dudes <laughs> on the street. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Joseph, 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 Joseph. You don't really watch our show on a yeah, regular basis, you do you? You don't. You don't. You proved that to Aaron. No, uh, let, let, me, let me go yeah. find the you part You don't watch our email. show. Come on, man. Honestly, it, it, the way it looks now, I'm going to have to apologize for voting for a whole bunch of politicians that funded abortions. Because that's what Republicans have been doing my entire political activism. I have been working to get the pro-life party in power so they could fund the death merchants. I, I'm going to have to own up to. I voted for people who funded baby killers. And if you're voting Republican, Joseph, so are you, actually. We're all going to have to own up to that. Again, I don't, I don't know. I'm not the one who voted to fund Planned Parenthood. I didn't, I didn't give him any money, and I wouldn't have done it if I were in office. So why am I the bad guy and not the Republicans you voted and elected who actually did give them money? Why aren't they the bad people? I don't. Is there an answer for that other than idolatry? I don't Isn't the person who does bad, bad, and the person who doesn't do bad, not bad? I thought, isn't that how it works? Isn't the one who actually does bad, bad? Do you really want to know what I think about this? Yes. Since this was your prediction of where we we're going to end up 45 minutes ago, yes. Uh, Joseph, that question, I, I just got to be honest with you, um, it's full Judas. I mean, what? Jesus, what are you doing over there dying? Come on, we got work to do. Man, what are you doing? Come on, you got to get behind the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's all we got, man. Th this is a joke. It's a bad one. I think you, in that picture of Trump and those dudes around the orb, you might have been one of those guys around the orb. <laughs> the orb um, might have been your head. I don't know. This is, but this is, th this is, this is farcical. I mean, you can't. I used to think so much like you, Joseph. I want you to know, I, there was a time in my life, I mean, I would have said everything you said in this note, everything. I mean, and I mean everything. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember leaving Amy at the hospital on election night 2000. We had to bring her in. Um, she was having some... Uh, uh, some spotting and some pain. She was pregnant with Anna, our firstborn at the time. And I had to leave her in the, ho I left her in the hospital alone because I had to go home and monitor the outcome of this election in 2000. And the, and the recount that was underway and how, you know, the fate of the world literally rested with this outcome if we didn't win this. I left my pregnant wife alone in the hospital. To do that. I've, I've been you, bro. I, I know where you're coming from. The reason I'm really good at answering your questions, because I used to ask all the same ones. I totally get it. You know why I don't tell our audience, vote Republican to save babies? Because it would be a lie. That's why. I, I, 
I don't know why they keep funding them. I have a whole chapter in my book that pontificates on why. I don't know, but it's a, that's what it is, a pontification. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't give a half billion dollars to Planned Parenthood last year. The Republican Party did. I don't know why you're, if, if you're voting to save babies, I don't know why you're not angry at that. Now, you know, I wasn't a Christian at that time. I got converted later. And, it, and then it, and it, a funny thing happened when I became a Christian is I got far more conservative on the issues and a lot less partisan about being a Republican. Because it, it was really inconvenient for a while. It was like totally challenging, like my, you know, uh, the way I was operating as an activist in the party and a fan boy, you know, apparently it thought it would, maybe the Republican Party was an idol. It was competing for my my loyalty, my obedience. And it was right. By evidence, the fact that I left my pregnant wife who was spotting with her firstborn alone in the hospital so I could go home and get updates on from Carl Rove at the Texas State House on Fox News to make sure the good guys won, who then, of course, turned around and Funded Planned Parenthood every year, actually. They funded them every year. and Endless wars. Then they told me I was a xenophobe at the end of their eight years because I just didn't want to have open borders and, you know, turn Texas into, you know, a blue state. So I was a bad guy again. And so, I mean, I used to be you. I'm not mad at you, Joseph. I'm not. I'm actually empathetic. The reason I speak provocatively to people like you is because I needed something to speak provocatively to me because I kept... I wasn't just falling for the banana the tailpipe, bro. I was going to the store, buying bananas, and then like trolling parking lots and just stuffing tailpipes of bananas, starting with my own. So I get it. I know where you're coming from. And then you're afraid that if you let go of this, you're helping the bad guys win. That'll be your next step. We got to do something. I get it. I get that. You know, I've, I've, over the course of my career, I have proposed numerous alternatives, written books about alternatives to this. I think the Convention of States, spoiler alert, that's my, in the conclusion of Truth Bombs is, I think that's the last mainstream option we have for regular everyday Americans to have a voice in the process. I, I wrote a book five years ago that the current president and many people you know endorsed about how to have a more principled Republican Party. I spent a decade of my life trying to turn the Republican Party into what you think it is and working with others to do that. It doesn't want to be that. It was for about 10 minutes after Ronald Reagan got elected and three seconds after he left the White House, it went right back to what it always wanted to be. So you want, you need to believe you're on the winning team. You're with the good guys. And I get that. That's a human condition. I need to believe that too. I do believe that. I just think Team Jesus is the winning team. And everything else is a cheap facsimile. And I'm not real big on accepting knockoffs. And the cool thing when you're on Team Jesus is you can use any flawed thing as raw material. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is the Lord of God's creation. So I can use, I can use Samson to tear down the temples of Dagon and, I, and, put, and plunge that fish demon face down into that muddy, wretched dirt in utter humiliation. 
And I, and I don't ever have to excuse all the nights he spent at the Philistine brothel either to do it. I get to be like totally honest, like Samson's a terrible person, but dude, thanks for doing me a solid there at the end. Appreciate that. Thanks. That's the cool thing about being on team Jesus. You never lose and you don't have to accept losers. It's really the most pragmatic decision you could ever make is like align yourself with the only undefeated being in the history of the universe. What is honestly more practical than that? What's more practical than like, what if we could copy Nick Saban's playbook and steal his players? Would that be pretty, pretty practical? Would that be a good way to think of how to win a college football game? Right, right. Try to steal the playbook and the best players of the guy who wins most games. Well, even Nick Saban loses a game or two a year. This Jesus guy, though, like he just like walks out of tombs like a freaking boss. He's undefeated. So I'm going to do, I'm going to try my best to emulate that. And so I don't need Trump to be my, my orange savior. I need him to stand right there. Ah, you moved a little bit. No, no. Put the phone down. Tweet later. I just need you, Don, right there. Stand right there. Take the bullets for me. That's what I need. Let Nancy aim at you. Thanks. So I can have a life. That's what I need. So. Cool. <sighs> you know what? No more excuses for not eating your vegetables, especially when our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have stepped forward with Field of Greens. It's as simple as one scoop in a cup of water, stirring it, and you're done. No more, hey, I I can't get those nutrients, antioxidants, those things my body says, the creator says I need to have, but they're icky. Salary doesn't taste good. You know what? You don't have to worry about this anymore because you get this all in a real food. That's why when you turn over the label to Field of Greens, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts. Real food, the real vitamins and nutrients many Americans are missing because we've cut a lot of fresh vegetables out of our diet. You can now get it from Field of Greens and I use this product on a regular basis just had some yesterday it tastes great as well okay so if you want a trick i'm sorry uh, inspire your kids into drinking their vegetables brickhousesteve.com is the website brickhousesteve.com offer code steve to get 15 percent off of your first order go to brickhousesteve.com offer code steve for field of greens and get 15 percent off of your first order final thoughts aaron i'll go to you I would like to say that a very valuable lesson was learned today, but it's clear that nobody is learning any lessons anywhere, ever. Is that unfair? No, because I I have done this show, a variation of this show, 10,000 times over the last 10 years. We will get fooled again. Yeah, we will. Todd. Well, uh, to Joe, um, you know, you said you wanted to get people's attention with that first letter. Well, I spoke the way I just did to get yours. Yeah, Jesus needs hands and feet, but you got the wrong idea on what they're supposed to look like. Back at it again tomorrow. Don't forget the Blaze Roundtable later today here on Blaze TV, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.